In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Every year we begin the month of May with a wonderful memorial in the Church's liturgy, the memorial of St. Joseph the Worker. And in our Lord's presence at this beginning of, of the month of Our Lady, the month of May, we can reflect on this figure, St. Joseph, and, and specifically St. Joseph the worker, St. Joseph as a working man. And I think when we, when we consider the life of Joseph and also the life of Mary and the life of Jesus, it should never cease to astonish us just how ordinary most of their life was. The holiest people to walk the face of the earth, the people closest to God, the people most filled with God, most filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, most of their life was spent in a totally ordinary, hidden, normal way. Their day-to-day, what we, what we now call their day-to-day, if we're, for the large majority of their life, was so much like ours. They worked and they rested and they ate and they socialized and they went to bed and they made time for prayer. And this, not just for a few months, but year after year after year. 30 of our Lord's 33 years were mostly entirely normal, hidden. Joseph's whole life, with the exception of of those wild interventions of God, the Annunciation, the birth of our Lord, the flood into Egypt, Joseph's whole life was entirely normal. Our Lady's whole life, again with a few exceptions, was utterly routine, utterly normal. And that's a cause of wonder for us because we tend to we tend to associate holiness with the extraordinary manifestations of God. We tend to associate nearness to God with some sort of supernatural, in the sense of out of the ordinary, strange manifestations. And your life, Lord Jesus. And teaches us that that is not the case. And Mary's life teaches us the same. And perhaps, perhaps above all, St. Joseph, Joseph's life teaches us that message most clearly. Jesus, when you show up in Nazareth as a teacher, as a miracle worker, as a preacher, perhaps as the Messiah, which you are, the people from your own town reject you, and, and the different gospel accounts tell us why. They say, isn't this the son of the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter? Don't we know Mary, his mother, and his other brethren? 
Isn't this the son of the carpenter? Joseph was known as we are, Lord, for his work. When we get to know someone, many times the second or third question they ask us is, is what do we do? What do you do for a living? How do you contribute to society? How do you take care of your family? And this is how Joseph was identified, the carpenter. And this is how Jesus was identified, the son of the carpenter, son of the worker, Philius Faber. This is a cause of wonder for us, and it's also a cause of consolation for us. It's consoling to know that the holiest lives, the three holiest lives lived in the history of humanity were so much like ours, so ordinary, so routine, so hidden, so day-to-day. It's a consolation for us. It's also a challenge for us. It means that there's nothing about the form of your life. There's nothing about the content shape of your life that can keep you from being holy. You don't have to leave the world. You don't have to do extraordinary things. You don't have to shine. You don't have to be a celebrity to be holy. You don't need unusual supernatural manifestations in your life. You can do you can make your life the ordinary hidden life that is yours, it's the only life that you have right now. You can make it holy. And how? Well, by imitating by imitating our Lord, by imitating you, Jesus, and by imitating Joseph, your father, and by imitating Mary, your mother. Lord, help us to do this. How can we imitate St. Joseph, the worker? One of the first things we can we can imitate by thinking about is Joseph's motivation. Why did Joseph work? Why was he working? Why was he trying to work well? Well, the top of his list was was most likely the need to provide for Mary and Jesus. Joseph worked to feed Jesus. Joseph worked to provide housing and education for Jesus. Joseph worked to give Jesus the means to become a worker himself, to teach Jesus to work. Joseph worked to provide for and to protect his wife, Our Lady. This was Joseph's highest motivation, perhaps his most urgent motivation. And this too should be our highest motivation with the sense that Jesus needs my work. Jesus needs my ordinary life. God, who doesn't need anything in a certain sense, at the same time, needs my work. He needs my daily effort. Lord, you've connected yourself very clearly to the people in my life. Jesus, talking about the last judgment, says, what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me. Jesus, revealing himself to St. Paul, says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, of course, is persecuting the church. And Jesus totally denies any distinction between him and his disciples and his followers in the church. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me. To serve others in and through our work is to serve you, Lord Jesus. To provide for the needs of my family is to provide for your needs, Jesus. To contribute to the needs of the church, to the Christian communities of which I form a part, is to contribute to you, Jesus, is to provide for you, is to be like Joseph the worker. This motivation led Joseph to try to be good at what he did, to try to be an excellent professional, an excellent working man, to try to be successful. The better Joseph was at working, the better he could serve Jesus and Mary. This led him to avoid laziness, led him to avoid idleness, self-pity, all those attitudes that would slow down his ability to provide, to serve, to work well, and to reap the benefits of his work. If we look into Joseph's heart, we realize that his love for Mary, his love for Jesus, and therefore his love for God was at stake in his work. There was something very important on the line every day when Joseph showed up to work. He worked to prove his love. He worked to show his love. He worked to increase his love. And perhaps that's the greatest secret that we can learn from St. Joseph the worker. That he did it all for love. Whether he was working, whether he was resting, the kind of work he was doing, whether he was drumming a business or finishing a project or starting a project, organizing his tools, putting things away, cleaning up the shop. Whatever he was doing, it was motivated by his love. It was all for love. And our work, too, becomes a way that that we love God and we love others with deeds. It's so easy in our, in our day and age. We're so sentimental. To tell people that we love them, we send them a heart as an emoji. <laughs> or we say, love you. Or whatever. But the rubber hits the road in our love with the way that we treat people and the way that we spend our time. Where does my willful attention and energy go to? What am I using my time day in and day out really to focus on, really to do? And our work gives us an outlet for that. Our work our work gives our, our, our love a real content, a content of sacrifice, a content of devotion, a content of applied skill. In the hilarious movie, a movie which I love, but some people hate, I think it's one of those movies you either hate it or you love it. The movie is Napoleon Dynamite. And in there, Napoleon, who's this um, awkward, but very, <laughs> very good-natured teenager, laments to his friend that, uh, that girls don't like him. And he says to his friend, he says, girls like guys with skills. And then he laments that he doesn't have any skills. And he lists off some skills that, that, that girls would like. He says nunchuck skills and computer hacking skills, bow staff skills, right? Things, things that he thinks that would help girls like him. Girls like guys with skills. 
Well, our skills, our works, our daily efforts to make good use of our time, precisely how we love God with deeds, love others with deeds, where where we put our, our money where, where our mouth is, not just to say we love God, not just to say we love people, but to show it with our service, what you've done to the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me. I remember living in Chicago a number of years back, and there was this there was this pizza place, which had one of these signboards outside in in the um, parking lot, and so they would change it, as is the custom in these with these signboards, they would change it according to the season or according to the holidays or what was going on in the city. And right around Valentine's Day one year. I remember driving by and reading the sign and it said, what is love without pizza? And of course, that's on the face of it, uh, an absurd statement that we could just kind of write off or laugh off or what is love without pizza? But if you've ever lived in Chicago or know people from Chicago, well, you know that they take pizza very, very seriously. And so for a Chicagoan, right, what is love without pizza? Well, that might make a lot more sense. And then imagine that that you are the owner of the pizza place. And it's a family-owned business. And your family works there and, and depends on that business for their livelihood. Well, now the question is very serious, right? What is love without my work? What is love without the service that I'm providing for others on a daily basis with most of my waking hours? What is love without without the means with which I provide for my family and I have some means perhaps also left over to contribute to charitable causes and take care of my friends and and to help my church what is love without pizza? What is love without without my work? Without my daily effort to to use my time well, to take these gifts that God has given me, my intelligence, my will, my body, and put them put them to some serious task that helps others, that provides for others. Jesus, as we reflect on the person of Saint Joseph and especially on his work on his identity as a worker, we realize that he would have had a special insight into the intrinsic value of his work. His work wasn't just good because of what he could do with it, which is very important, that he could use his work as a means to provide for you, to love you, to house you, to shelter you. Joseph would have also seen that work was intrinsically good. Reflecting, Lord, on your divinity, knowing that you were the Son of God, Joseph would have an insight that that God must value small and ordinary and normal things a lot. In the first place, God must value small and ordinary and normal things because he became such a small thing, right? This This little child, this infant, later this toddler, this young man. And also Joseph would have reflected, he would have seen the child Jesus like any ordinary boy fascinated with the world. We can imagine Jesus as a toddler, 
as all toddlers are. Fascinated with birds and trees, insects, the faces and reactions of other people. And to see this, to see this in the Son of God, was to see God's own interest in the world. God's own love for the world. Reflected in in Jesus' growing curiosity, joy, fascination with the things he was finding. And he would have seen how the boy Jesus was interested in his work. How he was interested in his tools. How he was excited, perhaps, especially by things like saws and hammers. How Jesus would childishly imitate Joseph's various techniques. Sanding and hammering, planing, etc. And this was all a divine affirmation that his work was something noble. His work was something important. His work mattered. No matter how ordinary and humble it seemed to the world, how overlooked, Joseph was seeing that his work was something good and noble and important. He was seeing, in fact, an echo of God's eternal judgment that that his own creation was very good. God saw all that he had made, we read in the book of Genesis, and behold, it was very good. The boy Jesus, excited about all the mysteries and intricacies of Joseph's workshop, taught Joseph that, that his work mattered to God, that work is good, it's good to be a worker, it's good to work. It's good to have skills, put them to use. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. One of the things that God made and saw was good was precisely our own capacity to work. Each one of us, each one of us praying together right now, we all have a God-given capacity to do good to do good through some sort of good activity, some form of work. And Lord, help us to see this clearly and appreciate it. It might not be the kind of work that our ego demands. It might not be the kind of work that we think we're best suited to or that we naturally like the best. But our work is good. It's still very good. It still matters. God is still interested in it. It still can serve him. Lord, am I working enough? Am I working for the right reasons? Am I humble enough to work at things that I think are too low or insignificant for me in my pride? The eternal Son of God swept floors. The eternal Son of God dealt with simple and uneducated customers, perhaps often people who were rude. The Son of God took out the garbage. The Son of God, we see even in the Gospel, made breakfast after the resurrection. The Mother of God, Mary, the Queen of the Universe, swept floors, did the dishes, took out the garbage. Lord, we miss, we miss the beauty of our ordinary life if we miss this love for little, ordinary, everyday 
activities. Lord, we miss a great opportunity for holiness if we overlook the value of our ordinary, humble work. Lord, help us to recapture this sense if we've lost it or to gain it if we've never had it. Or, Lord, increase it if I have it to some degree, but many times I I resent my work or I see it only as a necessary evil. Lord, give me this insight once again, this conviction once again, that my work is good, that my work matters, and that, and that perhaps above all, Lord, my work is an essential means for loving you, an essential means, therefore, of my sanctification, of my holiness, and therefore of my happiness on earth and my happiness in heaven forever. This, of course, is, is a central aspect of the message of St. Josemaria, the founder of Opus Dei, and perhaps his most famous homily, a homily called Passionately Loving the World. St. Josemaria preached this. He said, There is no other way. Either we learn to find our Lord in ordinary, everyday life, or else we shall never find him. That is why I can tell you that our age needs to give back to matter and to the most trivial occurrences and situations their noble and original meaning. It needs to restore them to the service of the kingdom of God, to spiritualize them, turning them into a means and an occasion for a continuous meeting with Jesus Christ. I've always found this a striking message. There is no other way. Either we learn to find God in ordinary, everyday life, or else we shall never find Him. And why is that? Why won't we find Him anywhere else? Well, for most of us, because this is the only life we this is the only life we have. Your life is an ordinary, everyday life. And so if you don't find God in your life, where are you going to find Him? You're not going to find Him in someone else's life. You're not going to find him in some fantasy life. You're not going to find him in some life that you're not living. This is your chance. This is my chance. Lord, to find you in my life as it is. And where you are, Lord. Behold, I am with you always, Jesus says, until the end of the age. Our Lord's not far from us. I lived in Rome for a number of years, studying and in one of the churches that I used to pray at there, there was a, a reredos, the, the altarpiece was very beautiful. And it had in the in this altarpiece, which is very which is very large, many different scenes from the life of Our Lady and Our Lord, from the life of Mary and Jesus. And one of the scenes depicted there was a, is a scene that's very popular in Christian art which is the depiction of Joseph's workshop. And in it, as in many, as in many of, these, of these renditions, Joseph and Jesus are working together. And Mary is there too, and she's sitting off, the, uh, off to the side working on repairing some, some clothes or some such things. And in this scene, what I, what I found fascinating about this particular, this particular image Joseph and Jesus are not just working together in the sense of at the same time, but on different you know, parts of the same project. They're actually using the same tool. And so they're both standing on, on either side of a workbench 
And they have in their hands one handle of a, of a, of a saw that has two handles. I don't know what you call it technically, but a, it's like a two-handled saw, I guess. I should Google that to see if what the terminology is. And they're in the and they're talking to each other, and so the saw is kind of in this piece of wood. And Joseph's on one side, looking down towards Jesus, who's still quite young. He looks to be about twelve years old or so. And they're talking to each other about about how to proceed, and that's helpful. Lord, do I talk to you about my work? My daily work makes up the majority of my adult life. Eight to ten hours a day. Five to six days a week. Or more. <laughs> or more. It depends on our job. We dedicate we dedicate to to work. St. Josemaria used to say, the theme of my prayer is the theme of my life. The topic of my prayer is the topic of my life. When I go to my mental prayer and I go to talk to our Lord about Him and about me, it makes sense that, that not perhaps not every day, but occasionally we bring, we bring our work to our prayer, our work relationships, our attitude towards our work, the virtues we can grow in by working, how to sanctify our work, how to bring our Lord into it. All those things, Lord, are things I should talk to you about. And what I found fascinating about, about this scene was that it implies that, that working, with, working with our Lord is not just to have Him present, but it's to make our work one action with Him. It's to make our, our work a kind of... Um, opportunity for our Lord to work in us and and with us and through us. Because using that double-handed saw with Jesus meant making his work, the work of St. Joseph, an action that's, that's co-authored by our Lord. They're literally doing the same thing at the same time together like ballet dancing or like rowing. It's an action that that can only be done together and in a perfect harmony, such that even though there's two people doing it, it's one action. It's one thing being done. St. Paul says, It is no longer I who live, no, not I, but Christ who lives in me. Our work as Christians should have that as an ideal. That yes, I'm doing it. Yes, I'm the author. But it's done in harmony and synchronicity and a perfect unity with the action of Christ in my soul. And to complete that, that message, to complete that lesson, the sculptor put in the background of this, of this uh, base relief tools hanging on the wall of, of the workshop. And among the tools, there's just two or three of them, if I can remember. But among the tools, there is a one-handled saw, right? A typical regular saw that you would use by yourself to saw wood. And it's hanging there. And I think that has implications for how 
we think about St. Joseph and how we think about our own, our own work as Christians, that once Jesus came of age and was able to help him in the shop, Joseph had to change the way he worked. He had to make room for our Lord and adjust himself to our Lord's presence in his work. He had to hang up his old saw so that he could use the new one. And that, that was an adjustment. He had to change some things. Maybe he had to slow down a little bit to help Jesus learn how to work and then, and then to take advantage of Jesus' own capacity and initiative and, and skill at working. In any event, he had, to, he had to give up a little bit his own judgment, his own habits, his own way of working to make it better, right? to let Jesus into it, to let God into it. And perhaps, Lord, we too, if we let you into our work, if we live our work with more presence of God, if we see our work, Lord, more with the spirit of service, well, we'll have to change something. We'll, we'll have to hang up that old saw in order to keep sawing, keep doing our work, keep doing it well, but in order to do it in a better way, in a way that allows you to work through it to make it your own work, to make it opus day, to make it truly a work of God, a work that God does in us and, and through us and with us. And if you've ever if you've ever tried to use a, a handsaw, right, with one handle, to cut wood, well you realize that it takes some practice, or you have to get into a a real rhythm. And the saw can stick and the thing gets hot and jumps. And so to do the same thing with, with two people. It's quite an accomplishment. It must have taken, taken practice. But once you get the hang of it, it must have been an enjoyable thing. And to accomplish that together, to be in that kind of in that kind of rhythm together. It must have been it must have been something that they liked using. Right? They kind of looked forward to <laughs> to using that particular instrument together. Lord, it's the same with my work. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. All of my actions in the state of grace, Lord, are actions that you co-author. We go to Our Lady. The month of May is Our Lady's month. Another great sign of humility of Our Lady that we that we open her month with, not with a feast in her honor, but with a memorial in the honor of her husband. But that's okay. She she loves Joseph so much. Joseph is is precisely identified by the church as spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So to open this month of May, thinking about Joseph, going to his intercession, reflecting on him as a worker, is also to have Our Lady very much present. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.